Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. All right, welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're so glad you're tuning in this time. Today, we are excited to interview Christine Vineyard. And Christine is a person that I actually, what, we met maybe six months ago or something mm -hmm. like that through a common friend, uh, Pam Hausner, mm -hmm. yes. encouraged me to contact you. And she's somebody that I'm, I've been in a meditation group with. I actually, one of my early podcast interviews was with, was with Pam Hausner on okay. meditation. Yeah. yeah. And that was a couple of years ago. But, um, but yeah, we met and connected and you've you've come to a couple of the groups that I do and have, have done some group meditation and kind of learned about your what you're doing now with life coaching, with speaking and and kind of your your work with people and well-being. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I wanted to do an interview with you and 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 introduce you to uh, our audience. So thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love uh, your podcast and what you're doing with it. So. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you. Well, yeah. let's let's start by getting a little bit of your backstory. Like, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Give us a little bit about your, your family and yeah. kind of that, your origin story. Yeah, I, I love right. it. I love the origin. I love that you do that because I love to hear people's backstory. I do too. Yeah. So um, I was born in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Okay. My dad was in the army. So I was, uh, that's an army base. Army brat. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> and so I was an only child for 10 years, uh, traveled, Traveled, lived in Germany for a little bit with my dad being in the army. Um, but then uh, most of my elementary years were in Mansfield, Missouri, which is outside of Springfield. Hmm. And it's where Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote all of her books. Serious? Yeah. So I went to Laura Ingalls Wilder um, Elementary School. Are you kidding? No, that was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Claim to fame. My fourth grade elementary school teacher mm -hmm. during reading time would read her you know her her novels or whatever her, yeah that um, whole, her whole series right yeah and that's where i fell in love with with actually reading i think because yeah. it's like the first time i was like couldn't wait to hear the next part of the story mm -hmm. and uh and yeah. Little so, House on the Prairie. Little House on the Prairie, yeah, right. Yeah. So kind of fell in love with that then. And then, of course, the TV series came out years later. Right. And that's kind of but, what huh. I, yeah, when I was growing up, I was watching the TV series. I know a lot of people who read the books. I'm surprised I didn't. Um, but we had the museum there that we would go on field trips constantly. And hmm. uh, so it's just a town of 1500. Yeah. Okay. So small town. Um, lived there from kindergarten through sixth grade and then moved to the big city of Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, wow. Um, my dad changed jobs and uh, we moved to Phoenix and lived there uh, for until my middle of high school years. And then that's when I came back to Kansas City. So in the middle of my junior and senior year of high school, came back, live, lived up hmm. north, went to Oak Park High School um, in Kansas, here in Kansas City, and then um, was here for two years. And my parents had gone to uh, Southwest Missouri State University. That's what it was called then. So Missouri State University. And in, real, in Springfield. In Springfield. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's where they went to school. That's where they met. And I guess I really didn't have, a. I think back at that time, I'm like, I really didn't have a lot of 
ambitions at that Mm -hmm. time. I just was like, oh, my family went there. Okay, great. That's where I'll go. And um, I still had extended family in Springfield. And so I went to school there and (laughs) they dropped me off my freshman year and said, oh, by the way, we're headed back to Arizona. And so they moved back. They moved back to Arizona. And at that time I had a um, I was 18. I had an eight-year-old brother and a six-year-old sister. So, okay. yeah. Um, wow. So my parents couldn't get pregnant for 10 years after me wow. and then got pregnant with my brother and sister. So they moved back to Arizona and I was here in uh, Springfield, went to school, came back to uh, Kansas City afterwards, decided I want to stay here. I want to build my life here. Um, I met a man that let I me, in, let me oh, ask yeah. you something before you keep rolling. Yeah, um, we'll come, I want you to do that. But when you came here as a junior in high school, was that a tough transition? Totally. Like to like to jump into a high school without the history with the students and relationships yeah. and friend base yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, that was really challenging. And when I moved in sixth grade was very challenging. It was actually the last year of my fifth grade. It was the last month of my fifth grade year. Mm. And I'll, I'll talk about both of them because when I moved to Arizona, we kind of moved in a not real nice area in in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And so here I was little, little, Laura, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder yeah. girl in this small town of Everything's, you know, and very. You knew everybody. You, knew you everybody. had friends. Every, yeah, yeah, everything was pretty. Um, you know, I saw kids at the smoking tree, and I was like, "Ooh, they're bad kids." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then moved to Phoenix, where in sixth grade the kids were smoking cigarettes and lighting fires, and it was a pretty tough mm. area. And I was getting chased with people by knives and girls taking me to the bike rack and beating the crap out of me. And so it was, that was a rough transition. Yeah, a bit of a trauma. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, then when we moved uh, quite a few times in Phoenix, so we moved out of that a a couple years later into another area, changed, so I changed schools a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But So by the time you were a junior, how, how, was it even harder or easier? to make that transition? It was it was easy in a way that I'd become comfortable to change and kind mm-hmm. of reinventing myself, okay. if you will. Yeah. But I always, the, the memory that I have is that first day of school of walking into the lunchroom with your tray mm. and you're like, where am I gonna sit? Mm-hmm. Who am I gonna sit by? Because wherever I sit, that's who I'm with. Mm. And I had um, played basketball that summer. So I had met a few people. Uh. And, you know, one of those friends, Therese was her name, who said, hey, come sit with us. Right. And it was like, oh, okay, here uh, I go. Yeah. And that is who I sat with. Um, but it was, it took about a year. I always say every tra- every move took about a year for me to become truly myself mm. in that first year it was always you know who you know you're checking out who, who what the groups are and what you can say and what you can't say and mm-hmm. um which is a lot of if you think of all those moves that's a lot of years mm-hmm. of not really you know being your true self if you will and so um but by my senior year i was acclimated um and then and then we, yeah. and it was move on to college. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, so, so I was just curious. What did you major in in college? I started with criminal justice, which is kind of interesting, but then moved to psychology, then moved, took, did psychology as my minor and went into organizational communications. Okay. So a little broader. Um, still not really knowing what I wanted to do. Right. And that's what's really funny. I think that, I was thinking about this recently. I use psychology and I use the communications that I went through in in every aspect of my life, on a personal level and on a professional level, in 
and all I ended up doing professionally, I used it. I don't know what I used from it, right? Because it's mm -hmm. kind of broader and I don't remember all the subjects, but a lot of it's leadership, communic interpersonal communication, communication within an organization, mm -hmm. um, media, yeah. PR, marketing, um, and then on the psychology aspect of mm -hmm. it, you know, the mental yeah. health and well-being. So um, that's what I ended up and I graduated and said, okay, now I'm graduating, what am I gonna do? Yeah, so why'd you pick Kansas City to go, did you go mm -hmm. right out of college to Kansas City? Mm -hmm. Did you have a job offer or was no, it just a, like? No, it was, it was, I had moved so much with my parents that I was like, I don't want to leave my friends. And I had half of my, I was in a sorority um, in college. And so I had a really solid group of girlfriends mm -hmm. and half of them moved to St. Louis and half of them moved to Kansas City. Okay. And so I said, I can move to St. Louis, I can move to Kansas City, or I can move to Arizona. And it, there was a lot of decision-making around that time. But I remember I decided, I don't want to follow my family. I want to be with my friends this time. Okay. So I moved to Kansas City. And then of course, you know, a couple of years later, all the friends moved away. <laughs> the girls, my best friends that I lived with mm -hmm. moved to St. Louis. Okay. Um, but so then it's kind of how I've made my life here in Kansas City. Yeah. And my family in what Arizona. Was your first, like big job in Kansas City. I, well, I, back in that day, I went to a recruiter and a headhunter and they said, hey, we've got this job as an event planner. And I remember saying, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Um, I love, I've always planned all the events with all of my friends and family for all the years. Mm -hmm. So, okay. And so it was, it's, uh, it was called the event group and it was a uh, woman owned with seven other women who um, worked with um, corporations to do their um, large events. Okay. And so I started out in event planning mm -hmm. and then I went into nonprofit. After that, uh, I went into, I worked for the ALS Association mm -hmm. do, doing event planning okay. and all of uh, George Brett's celebrity golf tournament and um, his big gala. And then from there moved to uh, First Downs for Down Syndrome. Okay. And I was their executive director and ran their uh, buddy walk. I don't know, it's not called that anymore, but it's a walk around Arrowhead Stadium. First Downs for Down Syndrome is associated with the Chiefs offensive line. And so I was their executive director. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of the moves were, I always say were heart led. Like I knew, I just, it was, it, it wasn't like I ever had this plan of what I was gonna do or where I was gonna go, but I've always trusted in what led me to those places. Okay. And, um, you know, it's just like one thing led to another thing just naturally at a time that it was, you know, time to, you know, when I left ALS to first downs, it was time to move up and they were expanding and pulled me on as their executive director. Mm -hmm. And so um, I have always kind of followed that in, in the work that I do. And I've always loved it because I love um, I mean, just those organizations, when you see other people that are going through trials and tribulations and you get to be a part of that mm -hmm. and make an impact to help their lives, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a very cool, humbling experience. And yeah. so, um, and then from there I went into corporate, I worked for locked in companies doing community relations. So okay. Lockton is a local, I mean, all of these obviously are local and Lockton's really big about giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. And so there I really got to touch into all the, the philanthropic opportunities all over mm -hmm. Kansas City. Yeah. And, and what is Lockton? Is Lockton it? is the largest independently owned insurance broker in the world uh, now. Okay. 
Yeah, and they're uh, headquartered down um, on the plaza. Okay. Um, and now they have, so when I was there, they were just expanding worldwide. Mm. And uh, they're, uh, they're again, a very strong philanthropic background and um, all about uh, a culture, uh, creating a, a, a solid um, culture for their uh, employees as well. So connecting them into the, into the philanthropic world. And so um, it fell right, fell right in line with what I loved doing. Okay. And yeah, so cool. yeah, that's kind of my professional. So let, let's talk about, yeah, your family track a little bit. Yeah. Cause, and if you, if you want to get into maybe some of, some of that, that kind of led you to where you're at. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. So you out of college, Got, got married uh -huh. um, a few years out of college. Um, I got married and a few years later divorced, um, no kids, um, but I had, he had been leading a different life and that life was drugs and opioid addiction. And so that was, it was, um, it, it was a pretty fast transition, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, younger, it was, you know, but I know that there was a lot of shame around it. My my parents uh, were not divorced. And so I, that was new to me, a new mm -hmm. experience. And, um, but then I, um, and then shortly after that, um, about a year after that, I experienced a stroke from a brain aneurysm. And so, that again was one of those things that I hadn't dealt with any kind of adversity like that until it happened. And, and I, I think because I would look at my, my mom had a very um, challenging youth mm -hmm. and um, I kind of learned that she was um, I kind of learned about empathy through her. Mm. And so for me, when those things happened, it wasn't, it was like, all right, it happened, move on. I was a naturally optimistic person. So it didn't have a huge impact on me at what that did, time. How did it affect you physically? What, what was some of the physical? Oh, on, for my from, stroke. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is really- you were young. Yeah, so I was um, 26. Like, what, what would, is that? Just some kind of weird genetic thing or yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. So um, there is a woman. I'm gonna. I always forget her last name. Jill's her first name, and um, she has a TED talk called uh, "My Stroke of Insight." I would highly recommend listening mm. to it. And she is a neuroscientist who talks who oh, had a stroke. I'd like to hear that. Yes, and it talks about her actual experience mm -hmm. that she was undergoing. And I just listened, I, uh, she also wrote a book. And so about a, uh, six months ago, I was listening to her book and I'm like, oh my goodness, she had an AVM, which is what I had. And it's a arterial venous malformation that caused a stroke. Mm. And so it's something that you're born with in your brain mm -hmm. and that a lot of people live with all of their lives. Some people don't. She had one that took her eight years to fully rehabilitate. Wow. Mine, the left side of my body went numb and is still numb, but mm. it stopped on its own. Uh, and then I had to have gamma knife radiation treatment for three years to basically um, zap away that malformation of vessels. And it's something that you can't detect it until. You, most people who find out about it, it's like they have a car accident and they have okay. a CAT scan, but you don't know until you have a CAT scan. And what was interesting is I had just done an event and the left side of my body went numb. And I thought, well, that's odd. And I just started watching the clock and 30 minutes into it, I thought, mm, I'm gonna call the doctor. And long story short, the doctors were, okay, we'll get you in tomorrow. And I said, no, I think I should come in today. And then I got in and they checked out neurologically and everything was fine, sent me to, um, to, uh, Oh, what am I trying to say? 
to the hospital uh, ICU. And they were kind of like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I don't know. Mm. And that's where they found in the CAT scan that there was a brain, okay. uh, you, you know. Like in your late 20s so, or something? Or? I, I thought, I, I think I, wait, I would have been 28. Mm -hmm. I thought it was 26, but I think it was 28. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So not common. So numbness, did it, did you have any other? No. Other, other <laughs> symptoms, I no, guess. No, no, but I, definitely, you know, I think my learning and it, like it had an effect on my brain mm. more than I know. Okay. Um, uh, especially with the radiation treatment as well. Um, but no specific signs besides okay. that, you know, just yeah. the ting. I mean, yeah, wow. that was it. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, how, and, and, you know, I guess the, the fear, if you don't have that, you know, they said you could do brain surgery or we have this new treatment at the time, gamma knife. And because of where it was located, the gamma knife would be better. It was in the back. And so if you would not have done that, what's the, what could happen is it could cause another brain bleed, which could cause another stroke. Right. So that's why you want to get it taken care of. But again, some, some people can live their entire life and it not happen. But if you hear about strokes, this is what I'm learning in their, mm. in their thirties or younger, yeah, young, yeah. a lot of the times it has to do with that. And that's what I learned from, um, from Jill is that um, when when I she wrote a whole book on it, I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Mm. I've known about her and her story for years and had no idea that she had had an AVM as well. Interesting. So, yeah. 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 It's one of those things where I was still young enough that I called my mom to say, hey, I'm in the ICU. I had a brain bleed and they're going to keep me here. And she was in mm -hmm. Arizona and she said, um, Okay, I need to give me the, like right. you're nonchalantly telling me right. this. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So um, that was like a real quick, you know, co combination of a adversity mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah. Um, and then I, um, so you I got married again. Got married again uh -huh. and had um, my daughter, and then a couple years later. Uh, had my first son who was born still and um, which is a stillbirth if you're not familiar with still and that was my another okay wow wake up wake mm. up call um, very unexpected you know went into the doctor's office and um, check up and you know there is no heartbeat and oh. so with you know with my daughter on my lap because i wasn't expecting anything to be wrong and so gave birth had to go through the birthing process and that one really yeah. knocked me down oh boy yeah and i think that to me the biggest piece the biggest lesson there was i had always thought that i had control of my life mm -hmm. and i learned that there were things that were out of my control and it was didn't matter you know what i had done how well i had taken care of myself and i just had never really at that time social media wasn't really big well, or for me, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, we I just started on Facebook, yeah. so I wasn't familiar with it. I was, I mean, had no clue that that could even happen. Mm. And so um, my, I was a type A personality and my way of dealing was, it, all right, let's get pregnant again. Mm -hmm. Like, let's waste no time. We have no time for this. We got to move forward in our life. And so about six months later, I got pregnant mm -hmm. and um, it was great. I have, I have my beautiful son. So I've got a daughter um, who's 14 now and mm -hmm. a son who's 10 now, okay. um, but I wasn't fully healed. And so I, a lot of, he, he came out into this world as an anxious ridden child because I was dealing a lot with a lot of undealt with emotions 
um, from that mm. stillbirth. And so a lot of pieces that came from that was, um, you know, unresolved depression that I never mm -hmm. really paid attention to. I was diagnosed with adult ADHD at that time. And so um, I, uh, I would say that there is a really big time of just constant adversity, mental health, substance abuse, um, all intertwined in yeah. that time. And then, then, then unexpectedly, I learned that my husband's, my second husband's been living a, you know, a different life. And, um, that was unbeknownst to me. And I, um, that's kind of what I call my rock bottom and my aha, um, because it, it took me down the road that, um, I had to, I had to wake up. Um, but first it, it, it tore me up a lot. Yeah. And, you know, it was, you, you know, we talk about those, you, you sometimes wonder how did this not have such an impact, but this did, that's what I felt like. It didn't feel like to me, you know, the one that had to deal with my life, um, you know, the, my life or death situation or the death of, you know, my baby seemed like those would have been more monumental adversities. But the reality is it doesn't, you know, trauma doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't affect, it affects everybody differently and wherever you are in your life. Right. And at that point in time in my life, I was just kind of like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like this is, I've been, you know, living this life mm -hmm. that wasn't what I thought it was. And, um, why does this keep happening and what is going on here? And that led into some deep, um, you know, childhood trauma that came up that I had to resolve because if not, it was being projected onto my kids. And, but all of that in saying mm -hmm. that all of that, there was this bit of awareness in, within me that said, you're gonna get through this and you're gonna get through this. And when you do, you're gonna talk about it. You're gonna do stuff with it. Mm -hmm just know that you're going to get mm -hmm. through it. But it was, um, yeah. So your, so your second marriage dissolving, mm -hmm. you've gone through several traumas up mm -hmm. to that point, but mm -hmm. then, but then that one seemed yeah. to be like, like the trauma, the that trigger like yeah. kind of blew up yeah. blew everything up a little bit. Yeah, it did. And I think it was maybe a combination of the other traumas, mm -hmm. but it also was, I, I, I felt betrayed by him, by others and by life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it, yeah. basically I was, I felt like I had no, no say in what was happening in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like a, you know, you can feel strong and feel like, okay, I can, I can mm. move forward. And it felt like there, I had no idea. I didn't know yeah. who I was. And at that time I, I hadn't been working either. And so I was, um, at home with, uh, I was uh, at home with working with my kids. I was mm -hmm. stayed home mom. Mm -hmm. And so I really lost who I was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really, I, everything that I ever wanted, the, the d dreams that I had was yeah. to have a family. Mm -hmm. And so that wasn't an option and I didn't know what my life looked yeah. like. Or and so, and, and that it's not anything I had control over, right? Like when it happened, what happened afterwards, the aftermath of the divorce and all of that was mm -hmm. it, I always say now it's in my favor but it didn't mean that it hurt. It didn't hurt or feel good. It was in my favor because I was able to heal those wounds that were running the show in so many aspects of my life mm. that were making me move forward. You know, oh, don't, you know, I always say I didn't, I didn't feel a lot. Mm. I didn't, I wasn't in touch with my emotions. Yeah. Um, 
And I had to get in touch with my emotions at that time. And it was really uncomfortable and really unfamiliar. And um, it was really uncomfortable for a lot of people around me that knew mm. me. And I know you, you know, have felt similar situations. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, so, you know, the crazy thing was, was, you know, so I fell apart and certainly my, my, former wife would feel like I obviously betrayed her, mm -hmm. but I'm sure there's people in my congregation that feel like I betrayed them, mm -hmm. right? Because I was their pastor and mm -hmm. I, I fell apart. Um, but then when I fell apart, um, there were so many angles to my relationships that where I felt betrayed, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, and then even, even felt betrayed by God even. Like, I mean, it literally, like, I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm -hmm. like, I felt totally lost from like, who is Fred? Who is God? Is there a God? Who am I? I was humiliated because my, my most embarrassing failures had been played publicly mm -hmm. around the world, actually. Yeah. On, yeah. on news releases yeah. around the world. Yeah. And I was just, I mean, I just wanted to crawl the hole and die, like literally, because I was just so ashamed, and so embarrassed and so disoriented. And I didn't, had no clue how to put my life back together again, except, you know, I got in a 12-step program and started, you know, just started with that, just mm -hmm. started with, with sobriety and then and a friend sent me a book by Richard Rohr called Falling Upward. Mm, yeah. It's such a great title, but the book is really like, I recommend it to anybody that's, that's mm -hmm. gone through something like what you're describing or what something like what I went through, because it really, it really, really um, talks about how our lives can just completely fall apart mm -hmm. and, and how, how in the midst of that, we can, we can fall up. We can start, yeah. Right. Start we can, trying to put it all back together again. Different. Take some of the good, dismiss right. some of the stuff, heal. You know, yeah. and then, and hopefully begin to help others, which is what I love totally. about your story because you not only started doing the work that you needed to do mm -hmm. for your own healing, mm -hmm. but then you've started to help others through that as well. So let's, yeah, let's talk a little yeah. bit about that. Like what, what did you find were the helpful things to help you heal? Yeah. Um, in the, in the midst of that betrayal in the midst of, um, you know, the trauma, mm -hmm. yeah. you started work, yeah. doing, doing I did. work with yeah. what, what, what were some of the things that really helped you? Yeah. At that I point? mean, that's, that was when I was introduced to mindfulness. Um, uh, I had treat some treatments, you know, EMDR was one of the biggest mm -hmm. treatments because I was experiencing post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. And so I was running from at a hypervigilant state. Right. And what's interesting is I was going through my coaching certification when I was running at that hypervigilant state. Okay. And my first coaching certification is all around our mindset and our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so it was really beautiful because I was able to go, all right, I see my thoughts, but my body is actually telling me something different. Mm -hmm. And the great book that I always recommend is um, The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, I um, read Van, that. Van I, Kemp. I won't even try about, to. Yeah. yeah, it's a, how our body stores trauma. Yes. And it, yeah. 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 So it's, interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting and um, it's not a light read and, but it, but that's where, when I was in my coaching certification, I was recognizing, okay, I, I am, I can learn to manage my thoughts around this, but I'm also feeling this is taking over my body. Mm -hmm. And that's something, you know, on an emotional um, and traumatic mm -hmm. state. And so anyway, I, um, that awareness allowed me to get the help that I needed, which was EMDR treatment, mm -hmm. which involves a lot of mindfulness to prep for, mm -hmm. um, 
for to prep for it. And, you know, I, again, I've got an ADHD brain, so it's moving a mile a minute and got thoughts of galore. And mm -hmm. at that point in time, I always said, there's no way you're slowing down this brain. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way, but the pieces that I use, the grounding pieces, just the, the ability to start training my brain. Um, and then through the treatment of EMDR, I started training my brain. And what was the most beautiful piece of this is when I started to heal my little two and a half year old son who had come out of the womb screaming and as a highly sensitive child. Mm. And I was reacting to that because I was on a hypervigilant state. He started to calm as I began to calm. Mm. And so I really, that's when I really embraced and became an advocate for us as parents healing our wounds so we don't pass those on to our to our kids. And don't kid yourself, I'm still in the journey. It's not here, yeah. you know, it's a process, right? right? Yeah. But um and it's not, you know, it's just it's a, it's a piece that's mm -hmm. so really important to me. And so then I got into uh, taking more, uh, you know, get, getting certified in a, a mindfulness-based stress reduction course and, and implementing mindfulness in all aspects of my life. I was mm -hmm. interested in transcendental meditation, did some work in that, mm -hmm. and then went into neurofeedback. And that neurofeedback was really around um, my ADHD. And um, funny enough is when I was out of that hypervigilant state, my brain was still in a hypervigilant state. It just didn't feel like it. And so all of those, I have a daily practice of meditation and I notice when I'm not meditating mm -hmm. and the squirrels are all over the place. Mm -hmm. And um, so I believe in the power of training yeah. our brains. And somebody was telling me recently, uh, I was interviewing uh, Paul Smith who uh, uh. practices meditation and stuff. And um, there's some kind of a thing you can buy now the, oh, I heard you guys talking about it. it was the muse. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I looked it Have up. You ever, I'm curious yeah. about this now. Uh, yeah. Because he's, he's the second person that mentioned this. Uh, it's like a biofeedback type thing, but you can buy it, put it on your head. And then when you meditate, mm -hmm. it actually gives you feedback on yeah. what state you're in, I get, I don't understand it cause I've never done it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not real familiar <laughs> with it, but I'm also, cause I was looking at it cause I was looking at the M wave, which is, um, more of the, it's, I don't know if you've heard a lot about heart math, but it's the heart coherence. And so it's kind of that mind heart connection, mm -hmm. which I'm really passionate about right. as well. And so, um, I think they're very similar, but, mm -hmm. um, they, I've also, it's been one of those things that I've thought, huh, I just want to try it. Um, but I haven't yeah. yet. Um, but any of these pieces that can help you along with it, my first, once I started to get more into meditation, I was going to the school of metaphysics, which is downtown area, plaza area. And they had me staring at a candle flame and you would stare at that candle flame and, and write tally every time that you would have a thought mm -hmm. because you were supposed to just be staring at that flame. Hmm. And so, you know, I mean, they'd be going, I'd be tallying. Yeah, right, right. Right. How many? I got to turn the page. Oh, wow. <laughs> But um, those are all ways. I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many pieces out there that can help us, mm -hmm. but it is um, we it is a something that you have to do on a consistent basis mm -hmm. that's training it, but there are so many tools that are helpful for it. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge piece. That's why I'm such a advocate and I teach meditation and mindfulness. And then the other piece is the power of our thoughts and our thinking. And um, not just in a toxic positivity way, not just replacing them with positivity, but really understanding where those thoughts are coming from. You know, are they are they, 
you know, old programs that have been running from childhood and what do we believe now? And really this idea of working on what focusing on, you know, as you're healing and you're going, not, not taking away the healing, right? Like heal, but then at the same time, being able to focus on what you're wanting to create in this new life of yours in this, you know, um, because so often we can get caught in one or the other, mm-hmm. right? And we're never healing. So we're just carrying those yeah. wounds on or, and we're only looking to the future or we're, we get so caught up in the healing process that we're not growing because we're constantly deep diving into the healing mm-hmm. world. And I think mm-hmm. it's a, a thing that we integrate so that we can kind of do do both and so we can do that with the power of our minds and really again coming back to that training our mind on what we're what we're focusing on what we're visualizing in our life what do we even want right Mm -hmm. like i'm sure you know when when your life isn't the way that you thought it was going to be you're all of a sudden left with well what do i want to do now with my life like yeah. that is not, this is not, we've talked yeah. about this. This is not what I thought my life would mm-hmm. be at, at my age, you know, right. you know, and so many people feel that way. And so it's like, well, all right, well, what do I want mm-hmm. now? And it's a lot different than what I used to want. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of changes mm-hmm. that have happened. And I now ha- am at a place that I am building a life that's, what would then I'll go into my but that's better because of what happened to me um but it's it's work yeah so I want to get to um what you're what you're currently doing with your life coaching and all that but before we get to that yeah you know you might and and this is a big question but you might put it in a little give us an overview but I'm curious uh, as you've talked about all this what what was your faith uh life like like were you raised in a church yeah did you have did did you have any kind of grounding in in the religious world at all i'm just curious about that absolutely and how how that affected what if you did how that affected what you went how did that play into what you went through what was your faith like like? so i was raised methodist Mm -hmm. and um when i lived in mansfield then we um and my mom, Presbyterian background. So my mom's very traditional uh, religious woman. And my father, I would say, walks more of the spiritual path. Um, So through all of the times in my life, my mom's always sent me like postcards or readings from the Bible. Okay. Right? Um, Whereas my dad has sent me, um, you know, mindfulness and mm. spiritual divorce through you know and Deepak Chopra and so like I see yeah, it's so interesting isn't it yeah. yeah and so now then when I went into moved to Arizona we never really found a church but there was something that always called me because I um, had a good friend who was part of a Scott Still Christian Bible Church and so I went to the Wednesday night oh. church group with her and then <clears throat> Fast forward to college, I, um, I actually have a friend who was an elder at that church. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. it's yeah, it's a big, yeah, huge mega big, church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that I would, you know, go with her, and then went to college. And funny enough, once I went to college, most of the people I surrounded myself with were Catholics. And so I got married. Um, both marriages were to. Uh, uh, to men that were Catholic. Mm. And my first um, marriage after, when, while we were married, I converted to Catholicism. Okay, And I converted because I really loved that network, that, that group of people and their traditions and the support that they offered mm-hmm. one another. Is Vineyard your maiden name? It is. Okay. It is. I know. I'm curious. I should have gone I, to the I pastored vineyard. a vineyard church, so you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh. yeah. So I um yeah. So then I married Catholic again, uh-huh. and then it was after my divorce 
because I was like, okay, my kids are gonna go to Catholic school because I want them mm -hmm. to learn about God, but I don't know mm -hmm. much about it, but I, I'd always had an interest. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I read conversations with God after um, college. I remember just every night reading it. So there was some kind of mm -hmm. um, interest in it. And so after my divorce, I had friends that were part of a Baptist church um, and like after the second, after, sorry, after the second yeah, divorce, that was the the one that was so traumatizing. It was, yeah. and then you ended up at a Baptist church. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it was I, it was traumatizing. Yeah, <laughs> the support system of the people was beautiful, mm -hmm. right? The people involved in that church, but mm -hmm. their beliefs were very different than my beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like there was a lot of bumping heads, mm -hmm. which was, you know, at that stage, you're already questioning right. life in exactly. general. Yeah. And so that's what's being shown to me. And it was, for me, such a fear-based place. Mm -hmm. And I was really trying to find the love within myself yeah. and who I was and that there wasn't it that this divorce wasn't this br broken thing which is I, I laugh at that because literally my daughter just sent a text put my ex-husband and I on a text chain that said broken family <laughs> she changed the name to it and I was like no have I not taught you differently um but that was kind of it was a struggle because I will say one of the big pieces I didn't mention was when I had my rock bottom, there was that moment, you know, that infamous moment where I didn't know, but my hands were raised up and it was to the God that I knew, which mm. was just was around me, it wasn't real rigid. It wasn't really mm -hmm. known it was just this kind of love mm -hmm. and i said i i don't know what i'm supposed to do but i can't do it's obviously not working what i'm trying mm -hmm. so i kind of surrender yeah. and um so i do believe that there are a lot of the times what i see happens and it happened with myself is you go through that struggle with god mm -hmm. and with because your world's totally different than what you thought mm -hmm. it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And so then when I was in the church, I would, I, I saw the love and support of people, which I think is really, really mm -hmm. important. Yeah, you bet. But what I was taking in at one aspect, I loved the music and that, you know, it really brought me into, I listen to Christian music now, but it's like certain songs. Like if it's fear-based, I'm like, all right, yeah. I don't, Fast forward, we're going to the next song. Um, I want the love and light of it. Sure. And so what it did is it, I started creating my own relationship with mm. God. And mm. so it doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of, this is what it looks like and right. this is how it is, but it's this, I always say a relationship with myself and a relationship with him. Mm. And so I've done a lot of studying about myself and then I I communicate with him mm -hmm. as someone who loves me unconditionally yeah. and wants the best for me. I always me. say him, her, it, or right, whatever. Right, him, her, <laughs> it, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's him, sometimes it's her. Right. Like that's even how I speak about it yeah, is that, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. So tell us what you're doing now. Life coach, uh, you're speaking, you're, you're yeah. doing some, uh, well-being work with people give us give me your yeah your work now so, and how, how people can connect with you yeah so i i've been coaching since 2018 and i really it's it's interesting how that works because most of the people who come to me not all but most have gone through some kind of adversity in their life and they're not the way that they used to be and they're trying to be because that's kind of a lot of the mm -hmm. times what happens is we try to okay, I want to just be back to my old self. Mm -hmm. But then you actually realize you're not going that way, you're going forward. Yeah. And so um, I work on a one-on-one -on -one basis with people. I work on Zoom before pandemic, before right. Zoom was you know a common thing. Um, and I really use my work of mindfulness and uh, mindset and post-traumatic growth mm -hmm. and all those tools 
um, emotional intelligence within my coaching practice. And right. then um, most recently I've added in, cause I've done workshops along the way, uh, mindfulness workshops, mm-hmm. mindset workshops, um, em- empowerment workshops, but now I'm really getting into keynote speaking mm-hmm. and just trying to reach people at a larger scale. Um, I do have a podcast and that's kind of um, been on a little bit of a hiatus as I've, as I've kind of said, what, okay, what direction am, am I going to head now mm-hmm. um, within this? And speaking has been something that, you know, I've experienced throughout my life and saw myself when I was younger a little bit, um, but then never really thought any more about it. Mm-hmm. And I think once I started noticing that we could speak as our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't have to come up with this, let me be this formal person and be Mm -hmm. very, you know, presenting and witty and catchy that a lot of the women and people that I follow that are speaking on stages are just showing up and telling their story Mm -hmm. and and sharing their knowledge and their wisdom. And once I saw that, I thought, okay, that, that clicks for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And so um, that's another new area that I'm venturing into. Um, yeah. Just things that I never ever thought of before in my life that I'm doing. I'm taking an improv class right now. Nice. Never in my wildest dreams. I'm not really funny. So right. <laughs> when I got in, I thought, oh, yeah, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> I have such respect for improv people. Oh, I, I don't. I, I had a friend who um, there used to be an improv club down in, in the River Market area oh, okay. year, years ago. Had a buddy who uh, did that and he had studied comedy and did improv. And actually, when we, we started making our own videos mm-hmm. at church and he he was one of the first guys that we worked with. This was in the 2000s. And we made some really like now if you they were cheesy then, they're even cheesier now, <laughs> but they, they're they kind of funny. They're out there floating around somewhere. They are. Yeah. Oh, that's a Google it. <laughs> you know, like Fred's day off. And yeah. Just silly, silly, silly things. But um, yeah. That's but awesome. yeah. So what's your website? How to how do people connect with you? Yeah. Currently it's ubwellstudio.com, but I'm in this uh, rebranding. You okay. be the letter U, the letter B, well studio. W-E-L-L. But Christine Vineyard is where you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. K-R. K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. Vineyard. V-I-N-E. Y-A-R-D. Yeah. I was always amazed how many people wanted to say vineyard. That I know. It is funny. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, vineyard is, and that's how I say it when I'm telling people it's vine yard mm-hmm. because that's, yeah. It helps them spell it out. Yeah, right? but I, I love that name. They'll leave the E out if they, uh, right. if they go with vineyard right. a lot of times. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's why I always thought, why didn't I go to the vineyard church? Because <laughs> it made sense. I mean, I did visit you once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good name. Yeah. I've yeah. always liked the imagery of the vineyard. You know, there's um, in in both the Old and New Testament, it's used as a metaphor. Mm. It's like in Isaiah, there's this passage, sing about a fruitful vineyard. And and that that's uh, that was kind of where the vineyard uh, group of churches name came from was this ah. Old Testament. But, but then Jesus talked about. You know, I'm the vine and you are the branches if you abide in me. And so there's whole this whole chapter, John 15, ah. uses the imagery of the vineyard and the fruit, you know, and right. we bear fruit if we abide in the vine, you know, so. Right. So it's like. Feed the vine mm-hmm. and, and. So yeah, I always, I, like I always love studying um, vineyards and just how, how vineyards are cultivated and it goes into the pruning, mm-hmm. all these different. So all of this is used in both the Old and New Testament because you're, yeah. you're dealing mostly with agricultural, either agricultural societies or, um, or or like shepherds and mm-hmm. you know herders and people 
you know, working with animals. So you, so people knew that those imagery so well. So that's why so much of so many of Jesus stories are, you know, agricultural based or, you know, those kind of things. Well, it's almost like you can, it's like that, you know, analogy, you can, you can see that you're familiar with what that looks like a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think of it, you know, a lot of the time in, in our personal growth and our healing, we're tending to our garden. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're, you're, you're planting new seeds in this Mm -hmm. new phase of your life and you're watering and you're taking care of it. And so, yeah, those vines, you want to, you want to nourish it and feed it well so it can prosper and grow and you prune it. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, there's a lot of great stuff there. Yeah. I love um, that. Yeah. So, so Christine vineyard dot, com dot com yeah dot that com. is it that one will be the new one up web, and come. it'll get be you the new website yeah yeah and then i also have a podcast which is okay. called better because of it the and better because of it it's just better because of it better because of it mm-hmm. okay and really it's about using your adversity using um your struggles as mm-hmm. a as a catalyst mm-hmm. to become better, to okay. create a life better. And so um, for the first season, it was all about really the tools, emotional intelligence, mindfulness, positive t- psychology, mindset, growth mm-hmm. versus fixed, all the tools that I teach on it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm gearing up to where I'm having guests okay. who share, I've always loved people's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I love reading. A lot of the books that I read are about people's adversity. I'm Mm -hmm. one of those, you know, crazy people that's like, oh, they had a really big adversity. I want to hear about it. Yeah. Um, Because I want to see what they did. I find Mm -hmm. it fascinating. Um, I've always been very fascinated with with the Holocaust and um, Viktor Frankl and his search for meaning. Um, And so... Anyway, I was like, I want to interview people and I want them to share their adversity, whatever it may be, right? Every it, We have multiple adversities that we experience, but share something that they feel like they're better because of and how, okay. how did they get to that place? And yeah. you know, what did, what were the tools and yeah. things that they had to go through and in order to get to a place to view it as something that they're better because of. Yeah. So. Well, I love that too. So. Cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. it seems like if you're, if you're around long enough, you're going to have some, some trauma, some adversity, some big and, challenges in life. And I find, you know, when I, when a group of people are together being vulnerable and honest about who, what they're really struggling with and who they really are, that that space of vulnerability and honesty for me is where where the spirit kind of moves, you know, yeah. and and yeah. I think it's where we really connect. Um, yes, you know the facades and the posturing and the right. success stories. You know those you're going yeah okay, but well, let me get to the real. You want a deeper, get, yeah. deeper connection. I let think hear, yeah. hear what's going on behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. And I know. think the pandemic brought that out for a lot of people mm-hmm. who maybe who weren't a part of that even before of, I want deeper, meaningful, more meaningful conversations. This is what we're experiencing. We, and I think my thing is, is I just want to normalize pain and struggle and adversity mm-hmm. and normalize that it happens. It doesn't have to take over your life. You know, my grandmother, before I knew her, committed suicide when my mom was 11. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because she didn't have the resources. And I know that there are, you know, it, that's still a, a big thing happening in our life. And I, yeah. if we can talk more and normalize that life isn't just rosy and happy yeah. and all the time, then we can start to make peace with the pain in order to move forward, yeah. right? And create a new relationship with ourselves and with our life. Mm-hmm. And one that ultimately, I believe, brings us a deeper sense of meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like my life is richer 
than it's ever been. Mm. Um, just at a deep level, the, the mm -hmm. connections that I make with people, like you mm -hmm. said, the, the conversations, you know, I'm just mm -hmm. constantly um, fueled from it. And so I just want, I want people to be aware that it's okay that they're struggling. There are ways to move through it. And then there's ways to move forward, mm -hmm. upward from yeah, it. I like that. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us Thank on you. Spirituality Adventures and sharing your story. And everybody, if you want to connect with Christine, let me encourage you to go to UB Well, well Studio Studio.com and then soon to be christinevineyard.com. Right, and All you right. can find me on social media as well. Under Facebook, Christine Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, right? Yeah. Vineyard, all right? So thanks for joining us and we will see you next time. All right, thank you so much. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.